Hello and welcome to episode 239 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Jimmy, as always, is the savant league freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I knew you were going to say that. I, I know you knew. I knew you were going to say that too. It's um, insane. You know what else I know you're going to know that, I'm, that I know? I, I think you're going to talk about the most revolutionary product on planet Earth for 2020. Man, that's fucking insane. That's crazy. Hey, I'm so good at this. It's like me and Phil Gould. Um, <laughs> if you... tell, tell, us, tell us about Manscaped, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. 2020 has been a rough year. But you know it hasn't been rough? My balls. Because I go to manscaped.com and I have the lawnmower 3.0. This has been a revolution in manscaping technology um if you go to manscaped.com and you put in our exclusive code which is nrl at checkout not only do you get 20 percent off of everything you order at the shop but you get free shipping as well and that comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and if you get the perfect package 3.0 you get a really really nice setup and you get everything you get a pair of microfiber boxes you get the lawnmower 3.0 you get the ball tone you get the ball deodorizer it's just fantastic and it's a great gift to give to anybody in your life that you think to yourself you know what their life would be better if their balls were smooth i know my life's better because my balls are smooth so go to manscape.com put in the code nrl 20 percent off free shipping you cannot go wrong you're welcome, people. You're welcome. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of smooth, this is going to be a smooth transition. That's the way I like it. You ready for this? Yeah. And not only is it going to be a smooth transition, but we're going to talk about something that can be a bit wrinkled at times, like a pair of cold nuts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Feel good. Yes. He made a comment the other day, and he said that Cole Flanagan has done more than Andrew Johns, Cooper Cronk, and Jonathan Thurston at the same age. Well, I mean, he can't be wrong to make such an outrageous statement like that. I mean, you wouldn't say that if you were completely wrong, would you? Well, do, do you mind if we have a, a, a quick gander at, at what those uh, what these four players had achieved at the age of 21? Okay, yeah, I'm willing to do that. Okay, so Flanagan's played 29 NRL games. Yeah, yep, pretty good. 200, 240 points, pretty tidy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thurston also played 29 NRL games, scored just 40 points. He wasn't even a goal kicker at that stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooper Cronk had only played 13 games and only scored 16 points. Okay, that's interesting. Um, and Andrew Johns, the other player who Flanagan has apparently done more than, had played in four tests, two origins, 47 NRL games and scored 356 points. <laughs> that feels like it's more. Yeah, for me... That that feels like um, kind of like a lifetime's achievement more than what Flanagan has achieved. Yeah, like if he didn't play another football game again after that, he could say he's a test player, an origin player, scored a bunch of points for Newcastle. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> just, just as a bit of a comparison as well. Yeah. So we heard that Thurston and Flanagan only played 29 games, Cronk 13 at the same age. Luke Brooks had played 45 games, only two games less than Andrew Johns. Okay. 
Ben Jeffries. Do you remember the great Ben Jeffries? Oh, I no, do neither. remember Ben I Jeffries. I like that. No, no, I was going to say, no, neither do I. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> he played 28 games, which is the same number of games, or one game less than Thurston and Flanagan. Okay. How do you... How does... <laughs> How does Karen think you can compare any great players at that young an age? Like, no one was watching Thurston, Cronk, Flanagan, or Johns at the age of 21 and thinking, yep, this is a future immortal right here. No, but, I mean, with Thurston, I remember with Thurston, like, Cronk is different because Cronk, uh, Cronk was very much a product of the Storm system in a lot of ways. And he just sort of come in, and at that point, you know, it'd be like, uh, you know, how many of the, the Melbourne players do you see? They come in, they sort of find their feet, and then they kick on. And he did the same thing. I remember Thurston, he had something about him very, very early on that you could see he might be a very handy player. And that's why the North Queensland Cowboys went out of their way to sign him on a big contract from the Bulldogs when they did. Mm. But it, Which coincidentally was when he turned 22 was when they signed him. Yeah, but it, you would never have thought he was going to be the player he ended up being. No. Um, Andrew Johns, you know, even very early on in his career, you probably didn't think he was going to be the immortal that he ended up being, but you kind of knew that he was the next step in an, an evolution of halfbacks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Know a, I, would... a, I was going to say that's at a time too when we had the likes of Ricky Stewart and Alan Langer. Yeah, yeah, and and he was also up against, I guess. Uh, I mean, Brick Morley was pretty young still then. He, he was probably still a couple of years away, but he was also up against um, the likes of uh, Jeff Tuvey as well. That's right for New South Wales. But I don't know why you would compare Kyle Flanagan to those players. It just, it, it, I don't know. I wouldn't compare even somebody like a. It just, it makes no sense why I'd do that or why I'd say that, because they're just, it's not a good comparison. It's an unfair one. Yeah, really unfair. Really, really unfair. It's really stupid. Now, the reason why. I started with this is because the news has come about that the Roosters look like they're trying to get rid of Kyle Flanagan, almost mm. as though, you know, it almost looks as though they're blaming him for their shit season. Well, like, you know, they say shit. They didn't win a premiership, which is something they've done the last two years. So for them, that's a shit season, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, try not making the finals for 10 years. Anyway, um, so that's where that come from. Now, there's talk that Flanagan could be going to the Bulldogs, no one knows what's going on there. Um, if you were a club that didn't have a good halfback, see, obviously you're the wrong person to ask about this. Um, would you would you buy Cole Flanagan? I would, yeah. Yeah, I think there are a lot of teams that could use him. Um, it's weird how they... The Roosters do this. They fall out with players and they ditch them. And from the outside, you can't tell why. And I wonder if... Because remember they dropped Kyle Flanagan at one point in this season, mm. and the the what was being reported in the media was that Kyle Flanagan's father Shane Flanagan rang up and kind of asked the coach why he dropped him, which he should have got hung up on for doing that. 
Yeah. I, I wonder if that soured the roosters on them. I can't imagine it was something petty like that. I didn't think Kyle Flanagan played that badly for a young halfback. Like, did they expect to sign a young halfback and, and get a finished product? Because that's not how it works. No. And that's the only reason why I think that the roosters want to part ways with him is they don't want to deal with the, the daddy issues that come with it. And it's not funny. It's not Kyle Flanagan's daddy issues. It's the fact that Kyle Flanagan's dad has daddy issues. Yeah. <laughs> you must play my boy. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I don't understand why a coach... If it was... You know, I could understand if it was first grade, a uh, former first-grade player or something, and he kind of had a word to the coach privately or something. But for it to be a, form, a, 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 a current NRL coach, albeit an assistant coach, that was not on what he did. It's ridiculous, mm. utterly ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, the the thing that's interesting about this is that when Shane Flanagan was actually a head coach at the Sharks, mm-hmm. he only played Kyle Flanagan once. Yeah, as in, in for one game only. And he played well at the Sharks. Like when, yeah, you know, there was points last year when he was at the Sharks, and you all know you're saying they've got to play him, they've got to forget everyone else and play him. Um, and losing him was a big loss. I just can't imagine why the Roosters have fallen out with him so quickly. It, it makes no sense to me. And, you know, the media are saying that they've got salary cap issues, and that's fine. But, you know, you need to replace him with someone. And I can't imagine that he's on big money anyway. That's the thing. He would not be expensive. No. They're not going to find a better halfback for less money. You wouldn't imagine, hey? No, there's no chance. No chance in the world. But where does Cole Flanagan end up? Like, he'd be handy at the Bulldogs. They need all the talent they can get. You know, I feel like... Anyway, I, I, if, if he's a little bit more experienced and, and able to direct a team, because mm-hmm. he was pretty much taking a backseat to Kiri, mm-hmm. obviously, in the team direction and, and telling players what to do and that sort of thing. But if he had that little bit of experience in, in managing a team and, and steering around a park, he would be perfect at the West Tigers. Yeah, partner with Brooks. Because mm. um, Brooks needs someone that will do that. I don't think Brooks is ever going to be in a situation where he will be the dominant play caller on that side. And he's going to have to be next year. I can't see yeah. it happening. No. I wonder if, and I say this, for every player, best thing Kyle Flanagan could do could would be to go to the Storm. It wouldn't hurt him. The thing is, no. that, I mean, I think the Storm probably prefer to have a, you know, a, a, a cog in the in the wheel sort of player like Jerome Hughes at seven, because then you can just yeah. allow Munster's flair to do the rest, and Hughes does just enough of everything he needs to, and you know, Munster knows what that is, and he so he can work off that. I'm assuming that's how it works. But then, I mean, <clears throat> and they've got. Lamb, uh, I believe his name is Lockie Lamb, there at the Roosters. They've been yeah. kind of toying with him uh, in the lower grades. I personally think he's a little bit overrated. I, I haven't seen what other people have seen in him, but, you know, it, sometimes it just takes one game to turn it around for a young player like that. Um, I, I just think that it's a weird move by the Roosters, and I don't understand. For all of the issues they have, I never thought to myself, well, you know, their halves are a massive, massive problem. It, it just no. didn't seem like that was the problem for me. It's a massive knee-jerk reaction, isn't it? Mm, yeah. 
Yeah. Didn't make the grand final. Quick sack someone. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, uh, like, there's a lot. I think there's a bunch of different reasons why they had the end to the season they did. And, you know, it wasn't a Kyle Flanagan. No, I'd probably go with their um, their captains. Yeah, I, I think there's they underperformed. Then you've got injuries. I think a lot of their versatility was taken away. Um, you I know, just think, that, I mean, I like you. I I don't get the hype around Jake Friend. Yeah, I would be shocked if he was back next year. He was really, really bad for them. Pedestrian. Yeah, he was pedestrian this year, and Cordner. I don't think Cordner's a bad player, but man, I we touched on the last episode. He's mm-hmm. he's taken too many head knocks, mm-hmm. and I'm genuinely worried about his his you know his brain health. I guess because I just think he's probably one or two head knocks away from having to call it quits. And the the uh, Kiri is kind of I mean Kiri had a, a good end to the season, but. Kiri's another one of those players where a, a couple more head knocks and you're starting to talk about his career. And, and to have a couple of players like that in the side is a real worry. Now, the good thing about Kiri is that he kind of, he feels like he got away from the moments where he'd get a head knock. Although when you think about it in that last game, remember he uh, he clashed heads with Josh Papali when Papali yeah. was scoring a try and he kind of thought, oh, here we go. But he he come back from that, and it, it, he ended up passing his HIA, which was great because those sorts of head knocks a year ago would have seen him out for a few weeks. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I just think the Roosters. I don't know. I I wouldn't have made that sort of decision so quickly, and I'd love to know what their reasoning is. But he's still. I mean, he's on their books. So yeah, you I'd, know. I'd be sticking with him. So would I. So You've would got I. To. You've got to. He's only a kid, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Now, there has been another piece of funny news. We'll stick with the Flanagan thing for now. Yeah, the Flanagan family. But let's, let's get out of the way. So, Parramatta had a bit of a tumultuous past week, week and a bit. Mm-hmm. With um, Michael Jennings testing, having his A sample testing positive for some banned substances. Yeah, yeah, the so, club will be really keen to sort of get that sorted out and get away from from that sort of controversy, hey? Hence, <laughs> hence why they've decided, well, someone's decided that they should go after Shane Flanagan, and that someone is Peter Sterling. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why anyone would want anything to do with him. Because... Flanagan was a real improvement for the Dragons? <laughs> well, no. like, you kind of thought that he might have brought something out of the Dragons as an well, assistant Well, at least improved their defence. I mean, you know, we talked at the start of the year, we thought that, you know, his, his involvement there would actually be good for their defence. Mm. And that didn't happen. No, not at all. There was no signs that he was there. No. Although, remember there was the, a point where... They they won a few games in a row, and all of a sudden he popped up behind <laughs> behind McGregor's shoulder in the box. Do you remember? No, that? Yeah, knife in hand. Yeah, psycho yeah. style. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, the blades ready, and then yeah. oh, someone took him out before me. <laughs> okay, um, I had someone say, "Don't underestimate how bad things were at the Dragons. A divided board, a useless head coach, and dog shit roster. Parramatta in far better shape." I said, you know what? 
in my mind, I don't think any of that stuff matters because if Flanagan was genuinely that good, the Dragons would have improved, and they didn't. They got worse. Yeah. And I don't know that... Man, I'm, I'm worried about Parramatta, man, because I thought this year was their premiership window year. Oh, yeah, they, I agree. They showed that at the, the tail end of the last season that they were now one of the top teams. And they started this year proving it. They backed it up. They were red hot to start of the year, and then they just faded. And it wasn't it wasn't immediate. It was just gradual fading. And yeah, it makes I, me wonder if their top form was the aberration. Well, that that's what we're looking at now. Because mm, mm. if, if you look at it on a long enough timeline, it is the aberration because. You know, they, they've failed in the finals. And, you know, Brad Arthur's record in the finals is bloody terrible. His mm-hmm. record overall isn't good at all. No. Um, you know, they re-signed him this year again, I believe, which is what Parramatta does. But I don't know. I, I feel as though maybe there's a ceiling on this Parramatta team, what they can do. And that it worries me as well because they need to kick on. And I don't know that they're... I don't see where they're kicking on from in this team. Yeah. I was going to say about Brad Arthur. Mm. I think he's a second less successful version of Brian Smith. Hmm. Like he's that coach who can do good at a club if you give him there long enough. Yeah. And he, he can get you close to where you need the club to be to take the final step, but he can't get them to take the final step. He just gets you up near that step. Yeah, I, you can, I feel you can see I, where the top step is. You're looking yeah. at it going, we can get there. Mm. <laughs> I, I feel as though Brian Smith was a far better quality coach that was maybe a bit unlucky, though. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, Brad Arthur is a poorer version of Brian Smith, but he's, yeah. he's that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I'd, like, I'd like him to prove me wrong, but I've I think we've seen enough of Brad Arthur at Parramatta to think that. Right, you know, this year, tailing the last year, we've seen him at his peak. Yeah, I would agree. You know, the thing that worries me about the Yields is that they, you know, that I I think Mitch Moses has a ceiling on him, and he's not ever going to be better than what we've seen from him. Like, I don't think he's going to all of a sudden turn into a different style of halfback, and that's fine. Because I think Dylan Brown is a real good balance to him, but Dylan Brown is still young. And I think it's going to take a few more years before Dylan Brown gets to a level where he can, where it's good enough, it's a good enough halves parent to maybe go further. But the problem with that is I think that by then, this Parramatta forward pack, which is a big part of their success, will be either too old or worn out. And, you know, Junior Paulo is a really, really special player. Um, I, I think Reagan Campbell Gillard is just way too con- inconsistent. Like his best game, he, he'll play one or two good games a year, and it's never against tough opposition. Um, I like a, a number of plays in their team, but I don't know. I just feel like they're a, a funny sort of side that they needed to be on an absolute ball tear of a roll to do anything in the finals. And when it turned out they were just okay in it, coming into the finals, they were just never in it. No. 
and look, the the problem with them is that the last five rounds of the year, when they needed to start building momentum, mm. their form went the other way. Mm. Their attack, I mean, they were a top eight ranked side for 14 of the 15 weeks up until then. Mm-hmm. And then they went to being ninth in attack. Yeah. Their defense went from being the best defense in the game to third, then to fourth. Ended on third in the end because the Roosters got dicked in the last round. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went from first, you know, they were first for nine, you know, after nine rounds. And they're in the top three until round 17. Then they went to, out to fourth and only came back up into into the top three again, the Roosters getting dicked in the final round. Yeah. It wasn't because they did anything fantastic. And so they were just fading as the season wore on, especially at the time where they needed to be building momentum and getting a few wins together. They're, just nothing clicked. Yeah. And I think that's we, – we saw them peak around about round 12, round 13. And yeah. from there, well, they probably even a bit early in the season, 9, 10, around there, when they're at the, still at the top of the ladder, and they just sort of started to fade. It wasn't it wasn't immediate. It wasn't drastic. It was just a, a gradual fading. By the yeah, time we, the finals come around, they were just out of, out, of ta- out of gas. Yeah, yeah, it was weird like that. Like, I didn't feel as though their style of play was the sto- sort of style of play that should wear them down, but that's what it felt like almost, that they got worn down. Um, I, I wonder if opposition teams just work them out a little bit as well, you know, Possibly, yeah. because they come out of the COVID issues with, you know, some sort of, I mean, they look like premiership winners at mm. that point. And I, just as the season went on, it, it feels as though they just wore down. Yeah. Um, so there's talk that they may be looking at a, uh, at a, at a trade deal with the Knights, whereby both sides swap halfbacks to the improvement of neither side. Yeah, so I, I don't Mitch understand. Pierce for Mitch Moses. I don't see how that improves anyone. Yeah, who would, like, what would be driving that, do you reckon? I, I don't know. I'm guessing Parramatta thinks if we get someone with the experience of Mitch Pierce, it might help with Dylan Brown. And I would dare you... say with the Knights, they're not thinking. <laughs> Although I gotta say, if I'm the Knights, although you know he comes off contract at the end of next season, Mitchell Moses, so it it doesn't really make sense unless they're looking to, unless they're thinking, look, we can't, we we want rid of Mitchell Pierce, but he's under contract. No, he's coming off contract too, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it yeah. makes no sense. No sense. I can only assume Pierce must be on slightly more coin, so this is their idea of saving some money, but there's no way knowing Mitch Moses is going to another club for the same as what he's on now or less. So they're not going to save any money, let's be honest. They're going to be paying the same amount for Moses as they're already paying for Pierce. Um, yeah. I dare say they're thinking that with Ponga in the team, that you know he's a much, a much more accomplished playmaker mm-hmm. than Clint Gutherson is. So yep. it takes some of the playmaking duties off Moses. But who's his six going to be? That's the thing we don't know. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't have a nine that's going to be as creative as as Reed Money is. Yeah. I, it, look, if I was Mitchell Moses, I want to stay at Parramatta. It seems like it's a pretty good place for him in terms of he's going to play some pretty regular finals footy. He's got, He's you know, 
one of their big personalities at the club. He's got a good halves partner, a good young halves partner. But, yeah, I wonder if that's something that's been driven by the player managers. I'm guaranteed is. Yeah. Like, guaranteed. get uh, maybe the, the idea is, you know, Mitch Moses goes to Newcastle and signs a longer-term deal at the Knights, you know, and the Knights get rid of... Uh, Mitchell Pierce, which we've talked about, they probably need to do to take the next step. But I find Parramatta, I don't do that deal. There's one way of knowing if there's um, if there's fire where the smoke is here. Mm. Ben Lice will come out and hang shit on Parramatta. <laughs> yeah. I guess well, Parramatta didn't do this for Mitch. And... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Mitch has gone from Parra. Doesn't yeah. matter what Mitch does, Benny will come out. He'll burn that fucking bridge to the ground. Yeah. He'll you then piss on the burning ashes. He won't have a measured response. Measured. Are we talking about the same person here? <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one. That's a very weird one. That feels, at the very, very, very best, you could say Newcastle gets a little younger. But... It's kind of a sidewards move for both teams, and I say I would say it's a backward step for the Eels, definitely. Backward step for both they, sides. Yeah, they get older. They get a player that is not really a winner in his own. Hey, he, he's won his last Origin series. Well, yeah, took Mitch, him how many goes? Twenty-two games or something. Mitch Moses hasn't played Origin. That's true. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> now, um... Something else you heard, yes, is um, garden feature. Todd Carney has comes got some social media thing. Yeah, well, I was watching the news the other day, and Todd Carney came on, and he was saying that he's got he is the spokesperson for a company that athletes are supposed to sign up with, and they send their tweets to this company. And the company decides whether those tweets should go live, and it's supposed to get players out of problem, out of you know, all of the problems they get into in social media. Now I was thinking to myself, like, first of all, I, a filter isn't going to help, you know, even in Todd Carney's situation, unless he's you know, got a filter in certain places, then that water's completely drinkable. But. <laughs> I'm not taking advice of Todd Carney for anything at all. Apparently, he's a concreter now. Yeah, look, he's uh, he's been doing a lot of great work for some um, some country footy teams, and genuinely looks like he's he's learnt his lesson, albeit far too late. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, better late than never. And I can see he's trying to do something productive to help out players to stop them going and doing the shit he did, and mm. that's that's noble. I, I like I like the. Uh, the reasoning behind it, but I, I don't know. I can't see this ever working. No. Well, it made me think, like, how many times do we actually see the tweet, it being a tweet that gets a player in trouble? It's not very often. Like, I can only think of a couple of times. Yeah, Falau and, and Gallon. Yeah, I, I remember there's, and I don't want to bring up their, their issues, but there's a couple of players in Super League that would like a couple of tweets back. Um, but, you know, at most, maybe a, a half a dozen players. Yeah. So I don't think it's really the tweets that are the problem. No. No, it's not. It's the TikTok videos. 
<laughs> imagine if imagine what happens if like Nathan Cleary sends a TikTok video to this company and he's like, Hey, put this one up. Like, do they send him a message back saying, Nathan, you're supposed to be in lockdown, buddy. We can't put this up. You're going to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, Nathan comes out and says, Oh, fuck you, man. I'll do it anyway. And he puts it up on YouTube. Well, what's to stop a player doing that too? There's nothing stopping from doing any of this stuff, is there? I prefer Paul Gallon's, you know, my dad did it defense. Works every time. Yeah, yeah. It, find it find you, a hole in it for me. There is none. It was foolproof. I don't know about you, but I mean, I make sure that my dad has access to all of my social media accounts. Yeah, sure. Here. Sure, he doesn't know what social media is, but I give him access to it all anyway. So if any time something goes wrong, As if I know. Not on TikTok. Come on now. Nah. 100% he's on TikTok, making TikTok videos. I bet he's some... I bet he is longboarding down a, ro- a country road somewhere to fucking uh, a yeah, fleet yeah, with like old country road or something like that. No, nah, no, nah, he's 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 singing. He's fucking drinking a thing of cranberry juice to a, a fucking Fleetwood Mac song. One hundred percent. The only song that I know that he listened to was um, Kenny Rogers singing Lucille, but he used to think it was old. Uh, was it Loose Wheel? Loose Wheel. <laughs> He's he's a he's a mechanic, I'm not saying everything comes back to machinery for him. Ah, nice. Good on him. That's uh, yeah. He, he he wouldn't know what social media is. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the smart people. There's yeah. not many of them left. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now, what else is there? Oh yeah, there's uh, Anthony Seabold. So <laughs> the news came out during the week, mm. and he's been going on about this for um, got nearly a month now mm. that. He knows who's behind these vile, vicious rumours about him and his personal life. Yeah, it's a high-profile NRL official. Yeah, and then it became a high-profile New South Wales Rugby League official. Yeah, and what is it now? Um, A part-time former referee. Yeah. This person's resume is getting worse and worse by the day. Yeah. Next thing we're going to know is there's someone who once emptied the bin outside the New South Wales Rugby League headquarters because mm. they were filling in one day for the uh, you know the garbage company that services the area. Yeah, and it just feels like it, it's just drama. It, like, what is it about some people where they always have drama? I don't know. It's it's nuts that this is going on like it's almost like he's trying to keep the story going now mm. because you know, we kind of i think with with the rugby league media pretty much anybody's of, from any sport is if you don't get the full details of a story you know from the get-go mm-hmm. you just go yeah yeah i'm starting to lose interest in this and you just move on with your life yeah and every now and then you go anthony still turn go well raving his hands around going oi remember me what happened to me poor me i've got a story here they're going yeah anthony we know what happened to you we know about the rumors of a fucking horrible mate we feel sorry for you but Mm -hmm. what are you doing and and i don't know if i've said this on the podcast before but i've got this rule with legal action that's talked about in sport i don't care about it until it's in court because how many times do you hear oh we're going to court we're going to court we're going to court and it never ever 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 happens so yeah like uh you know take it to court then if you know yeah. who it is take it to court take it to court sort it out there yeah 
It's as easy as that. It really is because, and look, the the stuff that was written about him, it was slanderous. It was disgusting, oh, disgraceful. Yeah, but and and if he knows who it is, they deserve to you know see the inside of a courtroom and have to explain themselves. But yeah, I, I just think that you know until that happens, I don't really care, and you know that the way that it's being portrayed a little bit that he lost his role at the club because of it. I mean, it, it, it kind of misses out the fact that we're one of the worst defensive teams in the history of the game. So there was that. That was also a problem for him. Yes. Now, um, I'm just going to look at some other news here. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a story which came out by Paul Kent about Paul Kent. Oh, really? I yeah. love I love it when uh journalists they write about themselves. Yeah, so Paul Kent was talking about how there was a drama between Cameron Smith and his coach Craig Bellamy mm-hmm. because he believed that Bellamy told Ricky Stewart about Barb's ring. And that's how the media found out about Barb's ring. And apparently that caused some drama because Ricky Stewart then went and told Paul Kent himself about it and Paul Kent took it to the media. And Paul Kent then made sure that I didn't do any of that and talked about, you know, his integrity or some shit. Who cares? Um, so, yeah, it was all about Paul Kent. Okay. Well, now, Paul Kent's very important. Have you asked he's still, <laughs> Well, I mean, people ask him questions every every now and then and we answer them for him. <laughs> yeah. That's how important he is. Um. So while that story came out, mm-hmm. and talking about some massive rift between the two, mm-hmm. um, I got to say, by the way, mm-hmm. you can tell that they don't like one another by the way that they've worked with each other for nearly twenty years and seem to get on really well. But I think that's all for the cameras. Like, remember a few weeks ago when um, Cameron Smith passed his try scoring tally, his coach's try scoring tally. And he, and he put one up the coach and they were smiling and stuff and it looked like they liked each other. That's all for the cameras, Andrew. Yes. Well, speaking of the cameras, yeah. apparently um, Cameron Smith took a video of his coach, Craig Bellamy, uh, today. I saw when it. Bellamy was trying to change the tyre of his car, but he didn't really have the right equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the sort it? of thing you do to somebody you hate. No, I've only seen the story. I can see a picture of Bellamy on the ground trying to... Looks like he's trying to take the tire off with two chopsticks. Um, so good luck with you there on that one, Craig. I'm sure it'll work. He poor bastard. And f- the funny thing was, Cameron Smith is in the background offering no help and laughing his ass off. And like Craig Bellamy, because he's a coach and coaches are weirdos, is refusing to ask for help. Yeah. And it looks like he has no idea what he's doing. It was just so perfect. And the quote I can see there is he's saying, I'm changing the fucking tire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, they hate each other's guts. It's pretty obvious, eh? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So they don't like one another, apparently. But um, it's funny because this that, that story, that fun, jerky story, comes after we had hood ornament bitching and moaning because Cameron Smith's been telling him what he's going to do with the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. And Smith's saying... I'll tell you when I'm good and ready. Yeah. And then 
we have this story come out about the, oh, there's some sort of drama there, and all of a sudden you find out, oh, no, they're just mucking around, and Cameron Smith gets on perfectly fine with him. And now there's a story from Paul Ken again mm-hmm. saying, Smith could disappear and we might not know. You know what? And it's, it's his way of criticizing the NRL for not um, for not doing anything to farewell Cameron Smith because Cameron Smith could be about to retire, not that he's confirmed or anything. They're, so, they're you know, not, how are you supposed Jesus. to perform a farewell for someone when you don't know if they're going to be farewelled or not? Yeah. Like, and, and you know what? This is going to sound outrageous when I say this. I'm pretty sure that everyone knows that Cameron Smith exists right now, and if he stops playing, it'll be noticed. Like, I yeah. just feel like when the, the player that's played the most games in the history of the top grade in Australia, if he stops playing... Someone's going to notice that. Exactly. That makes no sense. Again, it's just... You know what? The thing about the Fox Sports writers, they're bloggers. They're not journalists. They're dead-set bloggers. Like James James Woodorman, he's a blogger. He's not a fucking journo anymore. And obviously, Paul Kent's going down the same road. And that's fine, but... You know, own up to it. Say you're a blogger. They like the fact that they that people refer to them as journalists, though. Yeah, but fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> so you and me see the word journalist as a it's slander. Someone says you're a journalist, and it's like get fucked. You know exactly. Yeah, there's there's one other story. We don't need to go into it too much, but um, okay. it, it appears that um, Erin Mullen has taken out a defamation lawsuit against the Daily Mail. Oh, and, she did. Mm, oh, okay. And the Daily Mail has then gone through several years of rugby league podcasts in a bid to prove in court that she is racist. I went, wow. What? It's not until the Daily Mail are being put up for defamation that they decided to do some fucking journalism. That's so weird. Yeah, so um. I'm not going to do that any further. I, I've not. I don't listen to uh, to Erin Mullen because she's on Channel Nine. I don't watch Channel Nine, so yeah, yeah. I, 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 I just don't see her, so I've got no comment on it. Does she have a podcast? Does she? No, I, I don't know. Oh, Some you know, do the continuous call team stuff. I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, because they, I think they splice their show together and put it out as a podcast. Um, well, wow, that's it's weird. I can't, yeah. I can't imagine that they're going to find you know, a great deal of evidence of that. I mean, she's been on the radio for for a while now. I, I can't imagine that. Anyway, it's just 2020 sucks, doesn't it? It does. Do you reckon if Erin uh, Mullen decided to do it her own sort of research that she might find some um, less than genuine reporting by the Daily Mail? No. <laughs> <laughs> This could just be a thing in court. They just sit there and they just throw shit at one another, and it just that just never ends. They just keep slinging shit. But you said this. But you said this. But you said this. <laughs> they walk out of court after six months, and they're both just covered in shit. Yeah. Ah uh, oh, man, that's a weird one. That's a very weird one. So um, that's pretty much the news. Yeah. Well, why don't we, we talk, Why don't we talk about the footy? Let's on. do that. Yeah. That would be a great idea. So, okay, first game, Friday night. The Melbourne Storm, they're taking on 
the Canberra Raiders. Um, the Raiders have managed to have a couple of players get through some injury issues. Uh, the Storm have Cameron Munster, who's going to play, which is a, a big, big addition for them. Um, it's going to be up there at Suncorp Stadium. How do you see this game going? I'm just having a look through it at the moment. Um, man, there's a few good matchups here. Papanosen versus Nickel Klockstad. Munster mm-hmm. versus Whiten. God, that's mm-hmm. good. Cameron Smith versus Tom Starling is going to be a pretty good um, contest as well. Mm-hmm. Jesse Bromwich versus Josh Papali. And uh, Nelson Aspasolomona up against Joseph Tapani. Uh, He's been on yeah. fire the last oh, few games. He has. It's it's just going to be such a good game, this. Um, also, Dale Funikin is named on the extended bench for the Storm, and I wouldn't be surprised if they bring him in because he's a, he's a bloody solid defender. Yeah, yeah. I'd be shocked if they left him out. Yeah. Um, I just feel as though the Stormer, this is the Storm's time of the year, and they know how to work around this week off. Um, you know, the, the Canberra Raiders are going to be a little bit banged up, no matter how many players, are, you know, just got through with their injury concerns and stuff like that. I'd be shocked if the Storm didn't win this game. Yeah, look, I'll be, I'll be leaning towards the Storm. Mm-hmm. But... Um... I've got a feeling this is going to be a really tight game. You reckon? See, I I feel as though the Storm are going to handle the Raiders pretty easily. I don't think they're going to rack up a huge scoreline against them, but I feel as though they're going to be in command of the game from the get-go, you know? The and, thing about the Raiders, though, mm-hmm. is that they do have this knack of just scoring random tries. Yeah. And they're just things that no team can, can stop. And Whiten's usually at the heart of all of them. Mm-hmm. And George Williams has managed to, to finally understand a a good short kicking game and who his target should be when he's kicking. And he's mm-hmm. he's been able to find Whiten a lot more frequently in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. To, and it's been quite successful. Um, so it, it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I... I I, uh, I expect the Storm to win, but I think this is going to be pretty close. You know, the thing I like about this Storm team over Storm teams from maybe the last few years is that they've got the ability to put on a try out of nowhere. And a lot of that comes from Pappenhausen with his explosiveness. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that for me, he's the key player for the Storm. And obviously, Whiten is the key player for the Raiders. Like they can both break open a game, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know what it is. I just feel as though the Storm are going to handle the Raiders and handle them pretty easily. Like I think it's going to be one of those games where they never seem troubled, even though there's that drama going on with Cameron Smith and Craig Bellamy. Well, you know they, <laughs> they obviously hate each other's guts, but yeah. uh, I'm sure they'll work through that. The power of Barb's ring, eh? Yeah, fifteen grand now. If someone gave me a fifteen grand ring, I don't think it'd be a source of like angst. I think no. I'd be like, dude, I'd be like, tell everyone, man, yeah. mate, check out my ring. Didn't I? You know what? Didn't didn't that get uh, given to her in a big like ceremony during his 
his record-breaking game. I feel like it was done, like, out in the open. I believe it was. Yeah. I can't remember. Anyway. Must have been. I wasn't really paying much attention to Barb's ring at the time, so I can't remember what happened. Do you reckon... <laughs> you can't say things like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do, do you reckon... What do you reckon it is? For somebody like Cameron Smith, do you reckon a $15,000 ring is expensive. Like, do you reckon when the NRL gave her a $15,000 ring, he was like, damn, that's way more expensive than any ring I ever got her? Or do you reckon he's like, oh, yeah, that's about par for the course? I've, I don't know. I think he's probably just gone, that's pretty cool. I've hit myself a few brownie points there. <laughs> Every time she wants to get the shits with me over something, I'll just say, huh, remember that $15,000 ring? She's like, fuck, he's got me on that one. All right, Cameron, you can go ahead and get on the piss. Yeah, Yes, but then, like you say, look, look at the ring on your finger. You know why you got that? Because I played, you know, three. What was it? Three hundred and sixty-five games. Was it the record? Previous record? Something like that. Uh, three. Yeah, something. Yeah, it was around there. Yeah, it was around that. You know, but then, of course, he could say, you know, and, and most of the other stuff as well. That's from my footy. Yeah, <laughs> with the house. Yeah, the boats. The boats. <laughs> All the electrical equipment from Harvey Norman. Yeah, that extension. Yeah. <laughs> All those gift cards we've got sitting in the spare room. Good times. Good times. <laughs> um, second game, Saturday. Panthers versus South. Now, for South, this is an interesting stat here, guys. South's last three games, they've scored at least six tries in each of their last three games. Mm-hmm. On the flip side... The last time Penrith conceded six tries or more in a game was in round 19 last year. Wow. Wow, that's huge. Um, that's what it's going to come down to is um, whether Penrith's defence can withhold South's attack or whether mm-hmm. South's can t- attack can get through Penrith's defence. Yeah, and I, I don't know how how it's going to work out. I mean, because South's attack just looks so extraordinary at the moment and you kind of think, well... How can anybody stop that? But when you've watched Penrith's defence all year, they haven't really let any teams put up a big score on, really. No. So I, I, you would think that you would think that Panthers' defence should snuff out a lot of their attack, and if they can do that, I mean, the Panthers' attack is pretty good in its own right as well. Well, that was um, going to bring me up to my second point, which was even when teams have managed to put on some points against Penrith. Mm. Penrith have been able to go toe-to-toe and attack to cover. Mm-hmm. So the biggest examples, okay, are round two, the Dragons scored 28 points against Penrith, but Penrith scored 32 points and got the win. Mm-hmm. Um, round nine, Cronulla scored 24 points. Mm-hmm. Penrith scored 56. Mm-hmm. And then in the first week of the finals, the Roosters had 28 points, mm-hmm. Penrith had 29. Yeah. And those are the only three times this year when an opponent of Penrith has scored more than 16 points against them. Which is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, You know, they're going to be missing Kikau, but they bring in Capewell. Um, That'll give them more mobility, which I think is something that you'd like against this South team. Uh, Cody Walker's on absolute fire. But, you know, Penrith have had that week. I think that week off, especially this year, is gold. And 
you know, I, I find it hard to tip against the Panthers in this one as absolutely irresistible as the Bunnies form looks. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that the Bunnies forward pack has been pretty good over the last month or so, but this Panthers pack is the best pack in the game and it's ridiculously deep and, you know, their bench is as good as their starters. So you get no respite in that area. And I think that eventually that's just going to wear the bunnies down. Um, that's that's kind of the thing that's going to separate these two teams for me. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a high-scoring match. I wouldn't be shocked if it ended up being like a less than 20 points is get the winning score line. And if it turns into something like that, Penrith will win. If it ends up being a high-scoring match, as you say, Penrith have shown that they can go with high-scoring teams and still beat them. So I, I just find it hard to tip against the Panthers. I know the odds are very heavily, the betting odds are very heavily in the Panthers' favour as well, which is interesting. But, uh, yeah, what do you think about it? Because obviously well, I'm biased, you know. Well, you know what? I, I just hope it's a um, it's dry weather footy. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think it'll be a high-scoring game, but I think it will be a very open and fast, uh, fast-moving game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love to see that. So I think I, I too am backing Penrith in this one. Mm-hmm. But they, this will be their biggest test of the year. Yeah, because, I agree. Not just because of who they're up against, but the pressure too of getting to the grand final. Yeah. Um, you know, it's yeah, it's going to be an awesome contest. I'm really going. To, I'm really looking forward to these two games because they're not going to be boring defense riddle games. Mm. But at the same time, they're not going to be games where the defense is completely, um, completely owned and looking like tatters. You know, I think South South defense is the only one that's a bit worrying at the moment. Out of the final four, mm-hmm. the other three teams have all been pretty rock solid with defense for the most part of the year. Um. But South attack right now, they are the form attacking side in the comp. There's no doubt about it. So that kind of makes up for their, def- you know, their lack in defence. But they're going to need their defence to be much better this week because the uh, the Penrith attack is pretty damn spot on. Yeah, it is, and, and you know they they've had some time to get over those injuries and things like that. Not that they had too many injuries. Um, it, the interesting thing here is that, like, the Panthers and, and South Sydney, I don't think they've ever met in the finals before. No, they haven't. Um, yeah, so it's not like there's a history between these two clubs at this point in the season. And really, like, between the Storm and the Raiders, I, I think they have met before, but it's not like they've got this long-standing rivalry. And it's kind of cool to see the last four teams in the competition, like... No matter what the combinations are, I mean, I guess the longest standard rivalry between any combination you could have would be Penrith versus the Raiders in the grand final. And then you're going back like, you know, 30 odd years. Mm. So it's cool that we're going to have, we've got all of these like sort of weird combinations at this point of the year. Um, It's, they're going to be two bloody good games. Like, and they could go either way as well. That's the weird thing. But, I, I do. I think we're going to end up with the Storm Panthers grand final. The thing, there was something it said there. If it's if the weather's dry for this Panthers game, if it's wet weather footy, the Panthers win this game. Easy. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've their their style of forwards are just. Perfect. Well, it's more the fact that you know South won't just will not be able to play the open 
um, second face play type of footy that they've, they've been playing for the last few weeks and been mm-hmm. killing everyone with. They'll be playing a more restricted type of play, which would be just easier to defend. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Panthers' attack is its just precise. Mm-hmm. It's not expansive or leery or anything like that. It's just very precise, very intelligently run plays, and they run very, you know, very well and very accurately. Mm-hmm. And everything's done with precision and calmness. And that's yeah. the thing that's been so you know so commonplace with the uh, the Panthers attack this year. So if it is wet weather, then Penrith um, for me win comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's dry though, it's going to be not for you, but it's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, I'm going to spend two two hours bloody. It's funny when I've I've watched these Panthers games and because I've been sick the last you know God jeez, it's going on a month now, but uh, during the finals games the Panthers have been in, like I my Fitbit says that I've done two and a half hours of fat burning <laughs> exercise. It's hilarious, um, and because I'm basically sitting there dying the whole time. It'll be nice to watch a game and not feel like I'm dying. I will say this about the South. I think Adam Reynolds is going to see a hell of a lot of Liam Martin in this game. I think he's going to be running at him all afternoon. Yeah, I think the other thing that needs to happen is um, Penrith need to see if they can get Capewell to be all over Cody Walker like a cheap suit. Yeah, yeah. And he can do that too. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, a skill that he learnt rather well at um, at the Sharks because that was something that, you know, Wade Graham and Luke Lewis, their two back rowers, are really, really good at with shutting down opposition playmakers. So Capewell came from that sort of school. Yeah, it's weird that, uh, you know, you lose kick out and, and you bring in Capewell, it's, I can't ever remember seeing a forward pack which was just so, like, solid. Like, right the way through. It's really, yeah. really crazy. It is. Um, so, yeah, there's two pretty good games of footy there. Whoops. Sorry. What was that? Um, I found some old cricket balls. No, ones I got for when I got uh, Man of the Match. Mm-hmm. Many many years ago, this one was when I was uh, I took my career best bowling figures of uh, seven for fourteen. Oh wow! Who against? Yeah. Tumbarumba. Nice. That was off eight overs. It was you an interesting what? game that because uh, yeah. we only had uh, nine players. Yeah. Uh, one of our one of our nine players had his arm in a cast because he uh, damaged it, broke it at work that week. Oh jeez. Um, and we went out and we were bundled out for 70, 76 runs mm-hmm. for the entire, for the entire innings. It was a one day. Mm-hmm. And then I come out and took seven for 14. We got them all out for 73. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. So you're man of the match. You got the ball. Have you got their figures written on the ball? Yeah. Yeah. Mum wrote the figures on the ball. Ah, sweet. I've, I've got five or six of them here. It's funny how we end up playing with something with our hands while we're doing the podcast, huh? I, I, there's nothing I love more than putting some um, some big, smooth, red balls in my hands while we're doing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I'm playing with uh, my Predator knife. still in its sheath. As you do. Yeah. How many Predators have you killed with it? None. I'm trying to think. He didn't really actually, did he? No, he, he didn't do any damage to any predators with the knife. Oh. Um, so, yeah. 
you didn't have you um do you just occasionally just get out and just bang it on the cage with the interns in it <laughs> like they're starting to nod off just bang them on the cage with it and just look at them and smile and shine the knife i should shouldn't i yeah just for fun just for shits and giggles hey did you see that video of the dude being uh chased down by the mountain lion no oh man this guy is going for a run. I don't know whereabouts in the US, but and it seems like he had disturbed a young female mountain lion. He said that it had cubs, and its reaction tends to, uh, because mountain lions are ambush predators. I, I read and watch a lot about mountain lions. So, and, and this mountain lion like was being very aggressive with him, trying to get him out of the area by the look of it. And it was so scary the way that it was kind of going after him. And it made me think of like, you would have to, if you were going through these sorts of areas, you'd have to carry a bear spray and a knife. And because, and I don't, as I said, I don't know what area he was in. So I don't know if there were bears there, but a bear spray would have got rid of this mountain lion immediately. But this thing was like really pissed off with him trying to get him out of there. Um, yeah, and then the knife is for if it actually jumps on you and then you've got to stab the thing to death. But, yeah, it was pretty crazy footage. Like, if anybody wants to see it, go on YouTube and look it up. It, it's a very recent one. Um, yeah, really scary stuff. Uh, so this is another example of Americans showing how, you know, showing their level of genius, is it? Well, well, he got out of there without getting scraped up, so I guess he did something right. Oh, you know what else I saw? That, that, I was watching... that sounds like luck more than anything else. Well, it, it was a little bit. Um, I, you know, the other thing I saw today, I watched a show um, where they they actually cooked emu. Oh, yes. Yeah, they basically they took they took parts of the meat and put it over a spit. Um, they I must said, say, though, the, the part of that process that would intrigue me the most is how they caught the emu. Well, it was dead. They got it dead. And then... Yeah, but they, how did they get it dead in the first place? Is it just I, something they found on the side of the road? Could it no, buy no. a truck three weeks ago? <laughs> no, no, they ordered it in, and it was... What was it? It was on a show. It was with a comedian called Bert Kreischer. If, yeah, if if... What was it called? It was called like The Cabin or something. It's brand new on Netflix. And look, if you're squeamish or you're not into really, really crude stuff, you won't want to watch it. It's not one to watch with the kids. But one of the things they did was they got an emu from an emu farm, sent a caller to them, and they tried to butcher it themselves and didn't know what the fuck they were doing. And then the person from the farm turned up and got some meat off this emu for them to eat. And apparently it wasn't. It wasn't that great. No, it's a bit, bit tough. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I thought I'd bring that information to our listeners because they love it when we talk about eating weird animals. Yeah, we've got some sick listeners. Yeah, we really, really do. Some uh, disgusting, disgusting people listen to our podcast. Now, um, have we had any emails? I thought I'd spring that on you without any prior knowledge. You know what? I think we did uh, on the podcasting website, uh, which is com. If you go there and you – I'm not <laughs> trying to get some time here while I open it up. No, if you, you go to Fer- do that. No, no, no. Not at all. Full not professional at all. Here. Never, yeah. ever will you find us pandering for time so we can get something done to make it sound like we prepared all of this. Exactly. Okay, it's open now. So we got an email from Lightning Mc- McQueenbean. 
which is you've been to Queenbean, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful part of the world. Beautiful. Um, and he says, so it's Lightning McQueenbean. He sent this on the 13th of October. He says, G'day, cunts, with a KH. So we can say that. Now that Mitchell Moses has shown how useless he is without proper motivation, should Parramatta make an offer to Benji Marshall for a season to light a fire under Moses's ass if he's still keen to play? Cheers. Um, it wouldn't be the worst thing Parramatta did. Yeah, I agree. And add a little bit of attacking flair to the game that you know, Moses, when his form gets down, he gets very one-dimensional in his attack. Mm-hmm. And it's usually pass early or kick early. Mm-hmm. It gets very easy to defend. But when, he's, when his form is good and he's playing well, he's doing everything right. He's running. He's taking on the line. He's running a lot more. He's passing closer to the line. Mm-hmm. Um, his long ball and his short ball are much, much better. Um, and he's showing a lot more commitment to, to the attack. And at the moment, I think mentally... He's playing as though he's still injured. Mm-hmm. And you'd see this an awful lot with a lot of players. And I think that's something that will, they'll only get rectified through a good off season. Yeah. And I think um, I think you'll find that, um, yeah, I'll give him credit where he's due. He had spent most of the year playing really good footy. I think one good off season and, and really stretch out that leg and make sure that it's all working fine. We'll probably find that he'll start round one next year in pretty good form. But uh, if he's not, yeah. Benji's a pretty good replacement for anyone. He really is. And like I've got to say, I would be far more concerned about playing the West, uh, the Parramatta Eels with Benji Marshall as their halfback than Mitchell Moses, like at the moment. Yeah, because, I, think he, I think Benji too would be really good for, for Dylan Brown. Yeah, yeah, so do I. You know, and it did it, it give them real, two attacking pivot points on both sides of the field, um, two playmakers on both sides of the field as well. But and I just can't. I can't imagine Benji's going to sign on to be a third wheel somewhere, though. I think he would only sign on. I feel like he would only sign on if he was the, or one of the starters, or if he'd go into the season with the idea of being a starter, or if he was going to a team where he's the third wheel. But damn, they're they're a, a proper out and out premiership contender i think he'd be happy if he came on as a as a bench player as well a utility player off the bench i think he'd be fine with that but how would um, you play him like would you play him as your backup hooker or oh, he can as he's done it before he can play at center mm. um it's a bit risky now because his defense is just not there mm. but in defense you could probably hide him on the wing and bring yep. your wingers in one spot yeah, um, I know that he done he did that for a long, long time at the West Tigers, or defended right in the middle with two props either side of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's also an option. So go to a team that's got got good um, prop forwards, good who are really good defenders. Um, that would be your first thing you'd look at. But yeah, he'd be an absolute handy pickup for any team's attack. There's no doubt about it. What about Benji to the Newcastle Knights? That would be very good to see. Yeah, because obviously Mitchell Pierce isn't a playmaker. Um, he's a he's a hooker that's played at halfback his entire career. Um, but can you imagine what Benji would do with Callan Ponga there? I mean, that yeah. would be that would be 
terrifying. I think the thing that were, that that would excite a lot of people about Benji Parramatta is having those wingers running onto the passes he throws. Mm-hmm. Jeez, I mean, you saw he, the West Tigers' attack wasn't wasn't much chopped this year um, structurally, mm-hmm. but they managed to score plenty of points. And I mean, up until the second last round, David Nofaluma was the highest try scorer in the comp, thanks to Benji more than anything. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's something that the Eels didn't have was that that uh, worry that all of a sudden the wingers got the ball. Like it seemed as though the it, they had to put it through the hands to get the wing of the ball, and the damage that the wingers were doing was mostly on kick returns and things like that, or going in the middle of the field. But it wasn't like what you see at say the Penrith Panthers, for instance, where you'll see Cleary put a, a you know a ball out to his outside backs in some space. Like you didn't see that too often from the from the Parramatta Eels, and I think that that's what they're missing in their attack. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree on that one. Um. Yeah. Well, did he have anything else to say? No, that's it. I think that's we're done, it. hey? Oh, is that it? Yeah. Oh, there we go. People, send us your emails. As <laughs> Freak said, go to the website, fergoandthefreak.com, mm-hmm. and you um you can yeah drop us an email in there, ask a question, give us some feedback. Um, we'll read it out and yeah answer your questions where we can. You can also get in touch with us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook. So get over there and like and subscribe and all that sort of stuff over there. That'd be fantastic. Um, go onto your your podcast listening device and make sure you give us a five star review uh, rating and a, a review. And we'll read that out and put it up on the website as well, as long as you keep it um, positive ish. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And the and, more random, the better, too. Like, if you say, like, oh, yeah. uh, it, it, like you can, it, as long as it's positive, that's the I'd, one thing. You know what I'd like to see is um, people give us a, a five-star review and, like, a two or three words saying, you know, great podcast, and then give us a recipe for something. Maybe for, <laughs> a, for a, had a, a recipe for a random animal. Yeah, like that's quail the, soup. Yeah, super random, though, like a armadillo one. Where yeah, there you go. It's, it's shell. Armadillo sausages and, and potatoes. Yeah. Yes. 100%. There you go. So get into that. Um, tell, you, tell you what, if people go to my uh, Twitter feed, I'm doing a poll about which of four halfbacks you would take as a 21-year-old. Oh, if yes, you we'll look discuss this. Team. Let's do it now. Well, I see, here's the thing, right? Because I only yeah. put the poll up today, and it's for seven days. And what I was thinking is we can do an episode maybe next week where we look through, we pick, you and me pick a bunch of 21-year-old halfbacks from the game's history, mm-hmm. and we choose who we think would be the best player to pick, to to build a team around and why. Because I, I know that I could only pick, uh, I could only choose four players, so I chose four specific players for my poll, but I think it will complement a really good podcast we could do next week. 21-year-old halfbacks. Yes. That could work. Yeah, I reckon, hey. That could definitely work. Um, the, one, the one that I saw on there that I really want to pick, and, and did pick, mm-hmm. um, didn't actually make his first grade debut until he was 21, so that, that'll be an interesting one. Mm. So, yeah, that's... Uh, but we, that, I guess that, we could I say... Like it. So we, the the four choices I put on there, right? I put on Andrew Johns, 
I put on Duncan Thompson, I put on Peter Sterling, and I put on Nathan Cleary. So, yeah. and I just want to see who people would choose between those four players. I'm not making any assumptions. I'm not making any statements. I'm asking a question. But we'll do a whole podcast about it next week because it'll be good fun. Sounds good. Mm. Let's do that. Yeah. All righty. Anything else we need to chuck in? Uh, website, fergunfreak.com. Oh, I know. Yeah. If you, if you personally, it, no, well, not you. This isn't oh. about you, Andrew. This oh. has nothing to do with you. All right, I'll shut up. Yeah, shut <laughs> Would you do me a favour? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay, no worries, no worries. <laughs> if I'll you would like to... God damn it. Sorry. If if you would yeah, like me. to... Oh, no, sorry. Fucking this, this fucking guy. <laughs> Listen to him. This is the shit you got to work with. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to be involved in the digitisation of rugby league history, to be a supporter of the digitization of rugby league history go to patreon.com slash rl project my good friend here andrew ferguson right we're not really friends we're more like colleagues i mean you know like the Mythbusters, how it turned out after working together and being on tv for years they actually didn't get on that well did you hear about that no i didn't hear about that yeah it's, that's kind of like how me and andrew are like as soon as the podcast is over we, we don't talk to each other. We have our, our servants talk. Well, they're not servants. They're like interns. But yeah, we call them servants. People. Yeah. We ha- we talk through our servants and stuff yeah. like that. So, but if you want to support Andrew Ferguson in all of this, in his podcasting, in all of his rugby league writing, in his rugby league history documentation, in the statistician that is... Andrew Ferguson, you go to patreon.com slash project. It's the best thing you can do, and it really does help the game overall. We all use Rugby League Project, and so go there and support him through that endeavour. Absolutely, and you know what? I've just thought of one as well. Oh, really? What is it? Well, as people may not know this, I'm a huge supporter of independent um, content creators in the Rugby League world. Ah, and one of the longest-serving independent content creators you can also help out and donate to on Patreon. Just go mm-hmm. to patreon.com slash leaguefreak. And he's got some tiers over there. You select the tier you want to go. If you go into the, the higher tiers and you stay there for a few months, you get a bit of merch as well. So, you know, there's a bit of a cherry on top. Go over there and check that out and, and help that fella out. That would be pretty handy. As we say over there on the League Freak Patreon, we've got more tiers than the West Tigers fans. I'm pretty sure the West Tigers fans have stopped shedding tears. They're getting very angry. Have you seen them on Twitter? Yeah, they're, they're cranky. Yeah, they take shots at everyone. Yeah, after 10 years of constant failure, they've gone from being sooks to start to start being just really edgy and shitty. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. As, as I said, I did a tweet during the week where I said, um, you know, nobody has been celebrating a grand final victory and then read a tweet from a, a somebody whose team lost months ago and then got really sad and stopped celebrating. <laughs> no. I was going to say, no one's been celebrating a grand final victory for as long as the West Tigers have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 15 geez. years strong, my friend. 15 years strong. I don't know. Souths fans had to celebrate grand finals for bloody decades, didn't they? Yeah, four of them. 
Yeah. Pride of the league. And it's like, man, since when? <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago. That was like yeah. two lifetimes ago. Did I get to the very end of the podcast and then piss off South fans by saying that? You probably did. Probably. Oh, well. Do we have many South fans? I, I'm sure we do. I'm sure we do. Like, when I say South fans, I mean the two clubs combined, obviously. You, you know what I'm talking about. The South and South Juniors? No, no, no. I mean Souths, the, the old South Sydney, who oh. kicked out the comp, and then the new club that was started up and out there, like, you know. Well, it was it was bankrolled by South Juniors, so it is two clubs. Yeah, I guess it was. For we a... could call it a merge club. That'd go down well. Merger. <laughs> the South Merger. Do you remember in the late 90s how when South were run like fucking dog shit, how the South Juniors was always like the the white knight and they were like, mm. yeah, South Juniors, they're going to take over. They're going to fund them. It'll help everything. And it, it kind of didn't work out that way. But then, yes. you know, Russell Crowe come along and he sorted it out. That's the main thing. As you do. Yeah. Yeah. The West Tigers could do with one of those really rich celebrities just come out of nowhere. A Russell Crowe. Yeah. What about uh, Gerard Butler? <laughs> what if Gerard Butler, you know, he played 300, he played King Leonidas? Yeah, I'd, I, you know, I'd love it is if Gerard Butler just said, you know, he's just going to have a look around YouTube one day for famous Scotsman. Yeah. And he watches a video of Keith Galloway playing for West Tigers and goes, he's got to be Scottish with red hair like that. Okay, I'm going for the West Tigers. And he gives him a call. Hello, Potato. I've got a shit ton of money. What can I do to help? And Potato says, can you get Robbie Farrow to play? <laughs> <laughs> I want Scotsman in the team. What about that coot fella over in St. Helens? We can get into the club. That's a like great it. idea. And you go, oh, Jesus Christ, what have we done? He'd say coot different. He'd be like, coot. <laughs> He'd say it weird. He would. Who would be another cool celebrity to have as your uh, as your saviour? As your saviour, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, that would be cool. What if, What if you got someone weird like randomly? Say you wake up tomorrow, and the mm. newspaper headline is John Jennifer... Travolta. No, no, <laughs> don't stop. <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt buys the West Tigers. <laughs> That would be weird. Michael Douglas. Oh, Michael Douglas. That's a good one. That's a good one. He, he strikes me as more of a Panthers man. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it, Tigers or Panthers, I don't think he'd mind. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I reckon he might go to TikTok and go, hmm, Penrith, that's the team for me. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm trying to be good here, Andrew. You're trying to take me, you know, take me into... Are you trying to call me a bad influence? Yes, I am. I'm calling you a bad influence. I'm an innocent, very lovely, lovely person. I wouldn't be a bad influence on anyone. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> he'd be another really cool celebrity to have. What about um, Rick Liam, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. He's Irish. He'd need an, he'd need Pat Richards in the team. So he's definitely going to be the West Tigers. Yeah, definitely has to. Um, what about who was the celebrity? There was always this rumor of a celebrity that was going to make, and it was always in England, and it was this celebrity that was going to make a rugby league movie. 
um I think it was um Mickey Mickey Rourke. They were saying oh. he was gonna make a rugby league movie. Do you ever remember that? I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's like it, it, that was one of those those weird rumours that come out of England. Then and it's like I don't know where it come from. Yeah. I think it wasn't the one he was going to do, which is about one of the English players who um, revealed they were homosexual while they were still playing. And I think they were going to do um, a docu-movie type thing on that person's career. Oh, I don't remember that. I don't remember. I can remember it or something like that. It was years ago. Yeah. Um, That was the only thing. I don't know. It's hard hard to think of what you could do with a rugby league movie. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what direction you would take a rugby league movie because the problem is like the problem with sport movies is there's some sports don't translate well. Like baseball's a pretty good movie because everything stops. You know, you can have scenes where everyone's just standing around. So that work translates pretty well. But then you've got other sports where like a dynamic sport like rugby league, I don't think it translates too well. It's more for a documentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you've got to pick an actual game where something really absurd happened that was really important i guess so maybe maybe a movie on the rock's drift test yeah that could be that could probably go across well in a movie but it wouldn't be too many what about the, if you you did the uh what was the one about oh the the earl park riot that's another one yeah yeah and but you did it from like you almost did it like an Alfred Hitchcock psycho sort of thing, but you just followed the one dude who went home and brought the axe back to the ground. Yeah, just have it all focused on him. Yeah, but it peters out at the end because he doesn't actually axe anyone. Yeah, the police bloody stop him. Yeah, yeah. But that's the you could probably have a cliffhanger and just have him get in the axe and he's just circling the ground and then the screen just goes black and that's the end of the movie. You don't know what happened. Like the end of The Sopranos. I don't know. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, yeah, what would be another interesting moment in rugby league history that would be... Uh... <laughs> what about... <laughs> you know, it would have been... Um, you know, John Belushi? Yeah, he yeah. Could, he could have played Todd Carney. <laughs> I, something tells me that John Belushi's... A... Um, he probably wouldn't be very keen on doing rugby league movies. Why not? I don't know. I don't think he'd be keen on any. Maybe when he was younger. Maybe. I don't think he'd be that keen on it nowadays. Well, yeah. He's, he's been dead for 20 odd years, hasn't he? That does make it a bit harder, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is it. <laughs> that does make it difficult. <laughs> do you reckon um, Matt Damon would do a rugby league movie after he did a rugby union one? Hopefully not. Have you ever watched that movie? Yeah, I did. I've never watched that movie. Yeah, it was... Um, you know what the greatest bit about that movie was? Mm-hmm. All of the failed South African accents. So, well, to be fair, South, the South African accent is the worst one, I think. I think there's like there's that one to try and emulate. I feel like it's that one and then the Kiwi accent are the two worst to try and emulate. The only way to do a successful South African accent is to mimic the 12th man doing Tom uh, Tony Gregg accents. Yeah, pretty much. He, he's probably the most successful at it, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, uh, 
that that film was it Invictus. Was it a was it like when you watch it? Was like, it was like every single person in the movie came from a different a different dialect of South African <laughs> language. Was it like was it the real story? Or was it just a bullshit fairy tale one? Uh, a bit of a crossover of both. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was, I think it was spoken from the perspective of Nelson Mandela. Ah, oh, okay. Who played Nelson Mandela in that one? Was it um? Was it uh, Morgan Freeman? Yeah, that's the one. There we go. Yeah. Old American guy. Yeah, played God. His best yeah. role was God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good as God. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to be off track. You actually you yeah. know who would make one really good rugby league movie? Who? Bruce Willis. What would he do, though? Who cares? He could play Brad Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> like he he's got the same you know haircut. He just have to he just have to get you know oh, when you great right? idea. He could he could be Nathan Brown of the Dragons and the the whole action scene could just be him slapping the shit out of Trent Barrett. Yeah, that would be good, eh? Hey? Oh. Who, who would play Trent Barrett though? Who's a Hollywood actor who we could hate that we'd love to see getting slapped around? Um. <laughs> Dangerous territory. Yeah, that is. It'd have to be someone that looks good in eyeliner. Um, Tim Minchin. <laughs> I, I don't get that dude. Hey, he wears eyeliner. That's all I was going I, off. I know, I know, but I, I just don't get him. I don't understand that whole thing. How about Russell Brand. You well, you know what? I was thinking who could I was thinking Russell Brand, but then I was thinking he's got to be better at playing someone else. What if Russell Brand? What if, in a weird way, Russell Brand kind of cuts his hair and plays a ridiculously good Cameron Smith? <laughs> you can see that, hey? <laughs> oh, that would be wrong on every level. I, I want to see that now. I know, right? I feel like yeah. it, that would be... You know how sometimes comedians are... Uh, they're really good actors, like uh, Robin Williams, who mm. was like that. They're really... Like, uh, have you ever seen uh, Man on the Moon? No. Uh, it's a fantastic movie um, with Jim Carrey in it. Yeah, imagine if, if Russell Brand, he, he cut his hair and he just, for whatever reason, just became Cameron Smith. You know what that I'd like to see that. is that they, they get the stories of Russell Brand... Yeah. And Cameron Smith somehow intertwined. So then we get the scene where Cameron Smith hooked up with Katy Perry. Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyways, that's a rather uh, random way to end the episode. Yeah, it really is. The podcast ended 20 minutes ago. <laughs> we keep doing this shit. Sorry, people. Yeah. Or yeah. you're welcome. Pick, yeah. pick whichever ending you prefer. Um. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Always remember, you check out our friends over at uh, manscaped.com. When you get to the checkout, put in NRL. You'll get 20% off of free shipping. That's our gift to you. Um, I guess that's pretty much it. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. And we'll catch you later.